Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Good morning, Jason. I'm good. Excellent. That's great to hear. Bill, so much of this program we talk about planning, whether it's in terms of asset protection, long-term care planning, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, well, we're going to keep doing that. Yeah, of course, we're, we're going to get to that. But, uh, you know, there's also the financial side of things. And I know you love to talk about tax planning and tips that you can give us to make sure that we're, we're staying a step ahead. No, no question about it. I mean, the uh, now, uh, Jason, you, you're probably one of the early birds who filed your taxes two or three months ago. But today or, or this weekend it is a depressing weekend for a lot of folks <laughs> and it's it, this is the weekend that they have to let go of their money uh, f- for the year and because this is tax weekend and of course it's a month late because they the government gave us a reprieve uh, for a month but part of part of that was because the IRS was in shambles and they couldn't process things <laughs> so we got we got lucky uh, but of course uh, so instead of April 15th you know now we're looking at May 15th and so Monday can be a very bad day <laughs> but, so anyway, I hope everyone is celebrating uh, the fact that they uh, hopefully, paid less taxes this year because of the lower tax rates for most people. Um, And so uh, now, uh, what a lot of folks don't realize is that, uh, you know, because there's been so much talk about um, taxes going up, well, the fact is, and nobody's talking about this, it's already built into the current law that our taxes uh, are to go back up. You know, in fact, when Congress passed these reductions, they knew it wasn't sustainable, and that was before all of this big spending uh, as it related to uh, COVID and the economy and, and the like. Um uh, and and so the the fact is is that people are forgetting about the fact that the current law that's in place right now will increase everyone's tax rates to back where they were four years ago. Okay, so uh, now uh, uh, those of us who earn less than four hundred thousand dollars a year should actually, I mean, this sounds weird, but those of us earning less than $400,000 annually should be celebrating the new tax proposals. Uh, Why? Because our taxes are not uh, going up. And in fact, uh, we do far better under the new tax proposals because the tax increases that are proposed are only for families earning more than $400,000 per year. Uh, and so under the current law, on the books now, everybody's taxes go back up. Those earning less than four hundred, those earning more than four hundred. But the fact is, is that the new proposal increases taxes on two parties those earning more than $400,000 individually or married, and 
corporates. The current tax law that's on the book now does not raise corporate taxes when individual tax rates go back up. But, the, of course, the new proposal, and, of course, we won't know exactly what's in there, and that's why last week I was talking about uh, don't believe those who are saying that the sky is falling because we won't really see what the new proposal exactly is until probably late this summer or early next fall. But but we, we know that the proposal does increase taxes on corporations, and it doesn't take the corporate tax levels back to where they were four years ago. It only raises it half as much as it was four years ago. So it's going pretty light on corporations as well. But but for those of us who earn $400,000 less than four hundred, truthfully, this new tax proposal that's on that they're talking about right now benefits us. It doesn't hurt us at all. In fact, it's like, yay. <laughs> so it's kind of thing where, uh, you know, all of these pontificators, I guess they're all making over $400,000 a year because they're not pleased that their taxes might go up uh, while everybody else's stays low. And so that that's really not such a bad thing. Now, With that said, I want to talk about some strategies because most of us, uh, you know, even if we use a CPA, most of us uh, don't get to know our CPA well enough to get some good tax strategy advice that can lower our taxes next year or in future years. And, And so I... Because I am a tax planner, I do like to offer that kind of advice to my clients. And there are a few areas that I wanted to mention uh, this morning that I think an, an awful lot of my senior clients can utilize, and 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 it in fact make a difference, uh, can save them uh, you know thousands of dollars potentially, depending on what they do with their money, okay? But the, the fact is that uh, most of us uh, have pretty good-sized retirement accounts. You know, I hope everyone does, and I know that not everyone does. But once you get to full, uh, not just full retirement age, but when you get to an age where you must take IRA or retirement account distributions. And that age today is 72. You know, uh, under the former law, it was 70 and a half. But under the CARE Act, it was increased to 72. Well, so that's a little bit of a benefit because you don't have to take anything. You can let your retirement accounts grow, grow, grow. But when you must start taking required minimum distributions, is an opportunity for those of us who um, uh, give money to our church or synagogue or mosque or just to other charities. And so uh, those of us who do fairly well, uh, hopefully we are giving back to the community through charitable contributions. Um, and that's where your retirement accounts can be helpful to you. Because when you take minimum required distributions, 
that means you're going to pay income tax on ordinary income on 100% of those distributions. So a lot of folks don't like that. <laughs> so it's like, I don't want to pay extra tax. Um, I get that. Okay, so let us let me put it this way. Let's say that you have a $5,000 required minimum distribution this year and that you normally give $5,000 a year to your church. Okay, well, guess what? If you uh, tell your retirement account custodian to send $5,000 to your church directly. In other words, it doesn't go through your account. It doesn't go through you. It goes directly from your account to the church, directly from the custodian. Well, guess what? When you do that, the church gets the money tax-free. They don't have to pay income tax on it. And you get a 1099 for that distribution, but it's coded so that it's not reportable income. So the church gets its money. You get credit for your required minimum distribution, but you don't have to pay any income tax whatsoever on the money that goes to the church. Uh, now, when I say church, that could be any 501c3 charity. So for those of us who are 72 plus and have minimum required distributions, and the, for for those of us who do give back to the to the community through charitable contributions, our major contributions should be made directly from our retirement accounts. And that, I mean, for most folks, if if let's say you have five thousand dollars that goes to the church. That's probably saving those folks somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple thousand dollars in income taxes. Well, what's better than that? <laughs> okay. So uh, what I'm getting at is that is a no-brainer for anyone who has required minimum distributions and um, all they're doing is substituting writing their normal check out of their checking account uh, by telling their custodian to send the money directly to the uh, to the church uh, or charity. So that's just one thing that you can do uh, that will save you substantial money uh, if you're generous with charity. And so anyway, I think that's something that a lot of us can do and should do once we get to uh, where we have to take required minimum distributions from our retirement accounts. It's one of those moves where everyone's a winner and everyone that works out for everyone. And this is just a, another great tax planning tip from Bill and something that you can make sure that you have in your tool belt for next year. We're going to go over some more tax planning tips. And I'm Bill, I know you also want to touch on some long-term care planning as well. We are going to take a quick break. Hey, don't forget, you can always find more about Bill at WGA Law. WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. From there, you can book an appointment to speak with him. You can also find information about Bill's seminars. I hope you uh, all who attended the webinars this past Wednesday enjoyed them. You can register for the ones happening in June on Wednesday, June 9th by going to WGALaw.com and clicking on that seminars button. 
wgalaw.com. Click on the seminars button. It's free to register and free to attend as well. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can always find more about him online at wgalaw.com, wgalaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And uh, Bill, you, you had your seminars this past Wednesday. Your I did. Always, always enjoy those, Jason. Uh, we have a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, I don't get to talk about some of these strategies in my seminars. And, and so I, that gives me the advantage to have this show because it gives me a little more time to talk about some things that can help folks that uh, because the seminars are so focused on certain things but people uh, it you know obviously the seminars uh, do uh, help folks understand you know the morning seminars on long-term care and of course later in the show today I want to talk about some long-term care strategies that I don't get an opportunity to talk about in the seminars because there's so much other information that I have to share. Um, but of course, asset protection has everything to do with how do we save money? How do we not have to give away? And of course, saving on our taxes is something that's really important to all of us, and most of us don't get the word uh, uh, because you know our accountants and CPAs are busy filling out our tax returns, and they they don't have enough time to say, well, you know, you might consider doing this or that uh, as it relates uh, to saving uh, on our taxes. Uh, You know, and of course, the other thing is not everybody benefited by the tax act that was put in place. Uh, But uh, why? And you might say, well, but I thought all the rates went down. And they did, but they didn't go down very much, uh, particularly for those of us in the middle class, uh, and so, for instance, I can I can tell you, I pay more under the new tax act. Why? Because prior, I I basically was one um, who uh, uh, who itemized on my taxes, and those folks like me who had a lot of deduct itemized deductions, we're the ones who got screwed, if you will. I mean, because whenever the taxes change, people, some people get screwed, some people benefit. That's just the way it is. And so all of us who uh, had lots of itemized deductions, we were the ones who uh, our deductions became less valuable. And that was true because uh, they pushed as many people as they could, over 99% of Americans now, use the standard deduction. And so for a married couple, that's uh, getting close to $30,000 in a standard deduction. So itemizing doesn't help you anymore unless you have itemized deductions of over $30,000. And so uh, it's just easier to take the standard deduction, and you don't have to worry about any audits because it's automatic and all of that good stuff. And now uh, there are seniors out there who have long-term care expenses who should be itemizing, and that's as those seniors who are paying out the yang for long-term care expenses. And let's say they have fifty or seventy-five thousand dollars in medical expenses. Well, guess what? You're, you should be an itemizer now because you're way over the standard deduction. Um, 
And so, but, you know, the government also took away a lot of other itemized deductions that we used to take. I mean, we used to be able to, to, to deduct what we paid our CPA. No longer. They took that away. You know, they, you used to be able to take away what we would charge in tax advice for lawyers. Nope. Took that one away. So there are a lot of uh, deductions that went away. You know, people used to, it used to be a clear that when you bought a house and you could deduct your interest on your primary home, um, well, if you're taking the standard deduction, like 99% of us today, that itemized deduction went away. So it gives you less uh, of that incentive to own a home, which is unfortunate for many of us. And I I know the realtors out there don't like that, that's for sure. Um, But that's what we have. Now, okay, so let's talk about another thing that I do talk about uh, to clients. And let's say if you're a married couple and you both and you have a fairly large retirement account, which is not uncommon uh, with my clients at all, um, most financial advisors uh, basically suggest that you only, take minimum required distributions. So guess what? You pay less tax. But unfortunately, uh, where that can be, I mean, in some cases, that's, of course, correct. But for a lot of others, it's not necessarily correct. And here's the reason why. Um, Off what people need to be looking at as they're, as they're, you know, in their years where they have required minimum distributions. It's the fact that um, oftentimes when one spouse dies, the retirement account pushes the survivor into a higher tax bracket. And I mean, it can push you from you know, 24% into 32% or 22 to 24 or from 12 to 22% under the current tax brackets. And so, um, so what I'm getting at is from a lot of folks have wiggle room within their low tax bracket. And so, for instance, if you're in the 12% tax bracket, and for a married couple, that gives you room up to eighty-one thousand uh, dollars in that bracket without pushing you to twenty-two percent. Well, guess what? If if your taxable income after that big standard deduction is fifty thousand dollars, that gives you thirty thousand dollars of wiggle room at the twelve percent bracket. So. What I, what I would tell you is for a lot of folks, it's wise to look at why don't I take $30,000 more than I'm required to take out of my retirement account so I can take it at that 12% tax bracket. Now, if you don't need it, which of course I'm assuming you don't uh, because otherwise you were going to keep it there convert it to a Roth IRA at that time. You can convert all $30,000 to a Roth if you don't need it. Now, why is that important? Because number one, it allows you to go ahead and pay the income tax at a low tax rate, 12%, and 
push it over to a Roth IRA where it grows, continues to grow income tax-free. And when you take it out, yay, income tax-free when you take it out. So why wouldn't you do that? I mean, but but do most people do that? No. But at the same time, most people don't realize that because upon their death, assuming that the spouse gets the IRA or gets the retirement account, he or she has to take a much larger required minimum distribution. And oftentimes that increased distribution does what? Pushes her into that higher tax bracket. And then she has to pay, you know, just because one died. And see, the higher tax bracket comes for two reasons. Number one, the tax bracket has just been cut in half because the tax rates are exactly half for single people than married people. So she gets half the tax bracket and exactly half of the standard deduction. So that is why it pushes you. I mean, just it's, it's like that. At the 12% bracket, for a single person, you get under 22 at $40,000, whereas for marriage, you're, you have to be over 80. So that's a big difference, and, and that's what so many people do not even think about. And I realize that this is a little bit complex, but it's not hard to Google what your tax bracket is, and all you have to do in order to understand how much wiggle room you have is to look at your tax return. And, of course, a lot of folks are filing those returns, guess what, right now. So look at what your um, uh, uh, tax taxable income is after you take your deductions, your standard deduction, and then Google what the tax brackets are to see how much wiggle room you have. Now, typically in most tax years, you have until April 15th to take retirement distributions for the previous tax year. So in other words, you can look at what your tax return is, shows you how much wiggle room you have, particularly if you do your tax return in January, February, uh, or March, then you can go ahead and take that extra retirement distribution and convert it to Roth or do whatever. And Roth conversions can be a big friend to yourself and also to your children as well. Another great tip and something that we can do, as you said, in advance to make sure that we're paying as little amount of tax as possible. And uh, just another great tip from you, Bill. And don't forget, if you want to schedule an appointment to see Bill, be sure to go to WGALaw.com. Click on uh, the button there to contact Bill. You can also find information about Bill's seminars that we mentioned earlier on in the segment. Bill has two seminars, one dealing with long-term care assistance. This deals with Medicaid as well as veterans benefits. And the other seminar deals with asset protection and trust planning. Both are free to attend and jam-packed with information. Just head over to WGALaw.com. Click on that seminars button. It is free to register and free to attend as well. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with 
Bill Alexander. Bill, you've been sharing some wonderful tax tips with us, some things that could uh, potentially save people a, a pile of money. Well, no question about it. And, and of course, sometimes uh, you can do the same type of uh, conversion to Roth, uh, paying the tax in advance, if you will, not just for your spouse, but for your children as well. Um, the SECURE Act um, changed, you know, when they changed all the tax rates, they did some other things that were not so great. And one of them was that they changed how your children had to pay their taxes on a retirement account. So now what's called an inherited IRA, now this does not apply to the account holder. It does not apply to the spouse of the account holder because you, the spouse can take an IRA when you die and still have the same minimum required distribution standards that's always been in, to, in the law. But when the retirement account goes to the children or grandchildren, um, unless they're under 18, they have 10 years to take the distribution. And if, let's say, they're 15, then they get a ride for three years. And But once they're 18, they have 10 years from that time to take all of their retirement account. Now, they don't have minimum required distributions anymore like they used to. Under the old law, they had required minimum distributions based on their age starting from the year that they inherited the retirement account. Now, they don't have required distributions, but they have 10 years in which to take it all. Um, so guess what? That makes it far more complicated for most people to figure out how to take their retirement accounts. And you can't just necessarily say take one-tenth each year uh, or approximately one-tenth so that you have fairly equal distributions for 10 years. That might work well for some people, uh, but it, it depends on a lot of different things. And, and one of them is, you know, your need for money at the time and whether you're in school or, you know, uh, have a job at the time, those kind of things, or you're getting near re retirement age, you know, that can make a big difference, too, because if you're still working at high income, you might not want to take it. But if you're planning to retire in two years, you might start the third year in taking those distributions. Um, but again, uh, if, if you're inheriting a Roth IRA, which is where you don't pay income tax when you take it out, then the no-brainer is just to retain it, let it grow tax-free for 10 years, and you take it out on the last day of the 10th year. <laughs> so, because it's all income tax-free. And, of course, you can invest it in lots of different ways and whatever works best for you. So that's sort of a no-brainer kind of thing. But parents oftentimes have the opportunity to convert to Roth that they are not taking. So, And you can convert up to $100,000 uh, uh, in terms of converting a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. And, yes, you have to pay the income tax. But the key is not whether you have to pay income tax, it's the tax rate that you're paying. And if you're at a low tax rate and you have some wiggle room within your tax bracket, that's an, uh, that is something that you should look at. 
Yeah, that's uh, wonderful advice, Bill. And, you know, these are some wonderful tax planning tips that we can all use, Who those of us who have retirement accounts and who are maybe taking these minimum distributions or inheriting. These are all things that, you know, little little tools that we can put into our tool belt. And, Bill, I also know you have some long-term care planning tips that you wanted to get to as well. And there are a number of things. Uh, I know we need to take a break, but um, when we come back, I want to share some things about long-term care insurance because my seminars are all about government assistance for those of us who don't have long-term care insurance. But the fact is that those folks who have acquired long-term care insurance have so much uh, in the way of options that folks who don't have the insurance do not have. So if you ask me, is it better to have long-term care insurance? Every time it's better to have long-term care insurance. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Excellent. And as Bill mentioned, that's a topic that he often covers in his seminars, his long-term care planning seminar. Next one is happening on Wednesday, June 9th. If you missed the set of seminars that happened this past Wednesday, you can register for the one happening in June. Just head over to WGALaw.com. Click on that seminars button. It is free to register, free to attend for either of the seminars. Of course, there's the long-term care planning seminar that I just mentioned, as well as the asset protection and trust planning seminar. And these are wonderful ways to get good educational information from Bill. Speaking of that, we have more to get to, but we do have to take a break. Stick around. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us today. And Bill, we're having a wonderful program here. We've gone over a lot of tax planning, but we're now going to get into a discussion in terms of long-term care planning. And before the break, you mentioned, boy, the importance of long-term care insurance. And, you know, you see so many uh, folks who are just kind of thrusted into a long-term care crisis. But um, when it comes to long-term care insurance, that that can really be a lifeline for many people. No question about it. And, and of course, those folks uh, who have attended my webinar or seminar, um, those folks understand that there is government assistance for, uh, truthfully, most middle-class families. Uh, and, and, that, uh, and you don't have to be poor to get on Medicaid if, this is the big if, if you go to that dreaded nursing home. Nobody wants to go there. But if you find yourself where that's the only alternative for the family, then uh, you can, with good help, like what we do, of course, um, you you can get on Medicaid and preserve most of your money and your home and a farm and property and the like. But you need to see an elder law attorney very quickly uh, when that's the case. And of course, for those folks who have done some planning in advance, it's even better. But even when you're in crisis and, you, and you've heard there's a five-year look back and all that good stuff, there's an awful lot that can be done with good planning to get you on Medicaid very quickly. You don't have to wait five years to preserve your money and get on Medicaid. So that's what our webinars are all about. But the fact is that what government assists, there's an awful lot of folks who cannot get 
any government assistance because, number one, they don't need nursing care. They want to stay at home or they need assisted living, and they find that their their income caps them out so they're not eligible for any assistance at the assisted living level. And that includes memory care as well. A lot of folks don't realize that memory care is at the assisted living level almost every time. Not every time, but almost every time. And that government assistance is not available to them for one reason. If you're, if this is making you curious, you need to come to our webinar to figure that out because I don't have time to talk about it today on what I really want to get to is long-term care insurance. But uh, the fact is, is that government assistance isn't available. Um, now, for some veterans have help. Uh, we talk about that, too. Uh, but for most folks, it's uh, no help is available at a level lower than nursing care because that's the way the system works. So if you can't afford um, care at home or in assisted living, too bad. Somebody else has to take care of your family. You have to feel you have to have some other kind of arrangement with your family. Some people don't have that. So long-term care insurance is where um, where it's at, and so that gives people far more options in terms of staying at home, or if they have to go to assisted living, they have enough to pay the bills. Now most people will say, "Ooh, that's expensive." And it can be. Uh, but if if you have a long-term care crisis, and here's the bad news, most of us will have a long-term care crisis during our lifetime. We hope we don't, but the percentages are against us <laughs> as it relates to that. Some people get lucky and never have a crisis. But so, ha you know, what's, what's insurance? Shifting risk from our pocketbook to the insurance company's pocketbook. And so... Um, it can be helpful to us. But the thing about it is that, uh, and, and this is something that those of us who are fairly well-to-do, should we help our children buy long-term care insurance when they're in their 40s and healthy? Yes. If, if they need assistance, this is where we can help them and it make it a big difference. Even though they may want money for other reasons, uh, those of us who are older realize that these are things that you have to prepare for early, even when you're thinking about doing other things with your money. Um, now, the other thing is that long-term care insurance can come in many different forms. And the first thing I should say, for those folks who are fortunate enough to have a successful business. In other words, they own a business themselves. They are the business owners. Um, and it can be a side business, but it's where you have enough money where it's it's basically giving you some cash flow that is helpful to you. Well, a lot of folks don't realize that a business owner can get long-term care insurance for themselves and their spouse without offering it to their employees. In other words, long-term care insurance is, is not a, an ERISA-type thing where you can't do it for yourself if you don't do it for your employees. This is a plan where you can do like key person insurance. And if you and your spouse are key people uh, yeah, for your business, of course, 
you can, uh, and the thing about it is you can buy long-term care insurance and write off the premium. Well, if you can write off the premiums, that's, even if it's expensive, it certainly uh, makes it uh, a whole lot better because of the, the after-tax cost when you're able to deduct those premiums uh, is much, much lower. And so anyone who owns a business should be looking in at the possibility of acquiring long-term care insurance. Now, of course, the, there is a difficulty with long-term care insurance. You have to be insurable. In other words, those folks who wait until they're 60, they may have already have issues, you know, with diabetes or heart issues or cancer issues. And, of course, that, that typically is going to make you uninsurable. But if you're healthy, even if you're older, uh, there are possibilities. Now, the underwriting has changed a lot, and I hate to say it, but the ladies out there underwriting ladies is far more expensive today than it used to be. It used to be very similar premiums between men and women, no longer. Though They figured out that it's far more expensive. You know, women are always more expensive, but in long-term care insurance, it's true too. In fact, women are cheaper for life insurance, but more expensive for long-term care insurance. And that's because they live longer, and they're the ones who typically need more long-term care than the men do. So it's an important piece. But what I want folks to know is that there are other types of long-term care insurance other than traditional long-term care insurance. There is what we call asset-based long-term care insurance. In other words, if you're well-to-do, and let's say you have two or $300,000 that you are are sure that you are not going to need uh, and you're not going to run out of money, but you are concerned about the potential for long-term care, you can use that extra money, if you will, to purchase a different type of long-term care insurance, and that can be really helpful to you. Uh, you can all, Let's say that you're not in perfect health. Well, in that case... Uh, so there are um, annuities that have enhancements that you can purchase that help. Uh, and In other words, uh, and if you're insurable, then you can buy certain types of life insurance, a regular life insurance, uh, where you have annual premiums uh, with a chronic illness rider or a long-term care rider. And if you have a current life insurance policy or a current annuity, you can roll them over without a tax event to uh, another type of policy with long-term care benefits, and that can be helpful. Now, what's the difference between a life insurance policy with long-term care rider and an asset-based long-term care? That's a good question. Well, the difference is a, a normal life insurance, and you can have a long-term care rider on it. The long-term care rider may increase your premium by 10 to 15%, uh, but you have that extra benefit. And you know, unlike traditional long-term care, you're not going to lose your money because, uh, in other words, it's not going to be a premium that you never get your money back. With life insurance, you're going to get your money back one way or the other. Uh, and have protection as well. So 
that can be a real benefit for folks. But the difference is with a regular life insurance policy, you have premiums that you pay every year. Uh, Asset-based long-term care is where you take a chunk of money, like $200,000, $300,000, and purchase with a one-time premium a life insurance policy with long-term care benefits. That's where the difference is. And and the, the key, though, obviously, is you're still in decent health. There are also other possibilities that a lot of folks don't realize that you can utilize because there are folks that have very large retirement accounts, and there are strategies where you can even use your retirement accounts to purchase long-term care insurance uh, without a, a huge taxable event at the get-go. Uh, and of course, I think I've already mentioned, if you already have a life insurance policy that you, you're thinking, well, I have a valuable policy here, but I don't need it anymore. My mortgage is paid off. I'm retired. I'm not trying to replace income. So do I really need this policy anymore? Well, yeah, don't. You don't uh, want to liquidate a life insurance policy without good professional advice because it may be to your benefit to take that policy and roll it into a policy that will continue to benefit you because you can roll it into an asset-based long-term care policy, a life insurance policy, or a traditional long-term care policy. You can roll it. There are a lot of ways to roll these things uh, into long-term care without it being a tax event, and that can be extremely helpful to you. As we often say, you don't know what you don't know, and having these options available to you but not knowing about them really doesn't do you any good. That's why it's so important to seek professional advice. Get a hold of Bill if you have questions. Attend the seminars if you feel that a long-term care may be a possibility or something that uh, could befall you or your family. Get ahead of this. Take the steps to plan. Go to WGALaw.com. There you can register to attend Bill's free seminars. This next set is happening on Wednesday, June 9th. You can also schedule an appointment to speak with Bill at WGALaw.com as well. If you want to call the office, the phone number is 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are uh, short on time here before we head out. Bill, a a parting shot for the audience today? Well, uh, for those business owners out there, if you were to buy a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider uh, through your business, you cannot write off life insurance. But you can write off that portion of your policy that is for your long-term care rider. And so for those businesses that provide that type of policy, maybe uh, for key men, to uh, for buy-sell agreements and the like, if they have a long-term care rider and you retire, then you take your policy with you and, and you've been at least able to write off those long-term care uh, riders. Another great tip. This show was jam-packed with them. If you want more great tips from Bill, you can check out his website, WGA Law. 
Law.com, WGALaw.com, or you can join us again next weekend. Thank you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great weekend.